This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, July 18th. 2021 and today on the program wrestling is back live events in the united states at full capacity are back WWE smackdown had its first well WWE in general had its first full capacity event since march 2020 just a few days ago we'll talk about the rating the attendance the ticket sales aew put tickets on sale for arthur ash stadium how does it compare to WWE's ticket sales at Madison Square Garden. AEW Dynamite had a big rating on Wednesday. Raw had its last Raw before it goes back to touring. NXT did well with strong competition. Uh, NXT being preempted in the weeks to come because of the Olympics. What's going on with WWE and Hulu? Could another distributor pick up the rights to the next day Video on demand, access to Raw and SmackDown and other in ring programming. All that and more today in the program. But first. And now, joining us from my South by Southeast, from South Buffalo, everyone's favorite ring announcer and independent wrestling historian, Chris Gullo, joins us. On the program to talk about all the week's events, live events, TV ratings, etc. Welcome once again. It's uh, great to be back. Uh, another week here at WrestleNomics, and uh, you know, fans are back, and we'll, we'll get into that here uh, on today's episode. Yes, we're going to do a different. So this will probably not even be noticeable to the, the average listener. But we're going to do a different format here. It's going to be all over the place. It might be really good or really bad. We'll see. Um, we have the, the ratings. I have the Gullah Report at the top of our format here, which uh, we might reference throughout as we go through all of the subjects uh, of the week. Any, uh, by the way, any no bookings today? We are recording at uh, earlier than we did last week. No bookings yes. today for Chris Gullah. Yeah, yesterday was a free day. But you do have a booking on July 31st, I understand. Is that correct? Can I confirm uh, that? I do. I, I will be at Buffalo Riverworks for Empire State Wrestling Brawl Fest. I will be at Buffalo Riverworks. I will be wrestling for the first time since since I was in a car with Chris Gullo, and he said, I think this coronavirus thing is overblown. I, I, at least I changed my opinion. <laughs> you, you, were, you, were, you were saying, I think, something to the effect of, this is all a conspiracy cooked up by Democrats. That's all it is. No, that did not come out of my mouth. This is just another Democrat hoax. I think that's what you're saying, right? You read that on break. Uh, folks, I can tell you that I do not lean that way, whether you do or not, but I do not lean that way. Uh, anything else interesting? How's your garden going? Uh, pretty good, except the pumpkins are uh, crazily taken over because all this rain we were getting in the Buffalo, New York area. So, like... My pumpkin plant, it, it, it actually is eating pretty much my Brussels sprout plant alive. It, it's grown over it. Invasive species. 
Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yes. It's been raining almost every day for the last week or so. Yeah. yeah. It's been under 65, under room temperature here in Buffalo in July. We're supposed to have summer in July. It's supposed to be one of the one of the rare warm seasons here in Buffalo, but no, not so much. It's, it's okay today. It's like in, in the 70s now today. Yeah, today's nice. Yes. But an hour indoors recording a podcast. So I will probably train later today after this podcast. I will hopefully get very blown up and continue to grow my cardio. I've, I've decided to, I've, I tried to, to measure my cardio, my progress over time by measuring my resting heart rate. And that didn't seem to be moving much, even though I was still getting really blown up. Um, but I think my cardio is better than it was like in May, let's say before I was doing any wrestling training at all. Uh, so I'm now I'm doing, I, I hope Bob Backlund, if he's listening, would be proud of this. I'm doing a step test where you take a, uh, you take a, a one foot step and you step up and down it for three minutes. And then you sit down at the end of three minutes and you, and you, uh, test your, you count the number of beats in a minute right after you sit down. And, uh, so that's what I'm doing now. I've only been, only been doing that for two data points here. Um, I actually got worse on the second day. So. I was wearing a mask though on the second day. I forgot to take my mask off before I started this whole process. So, so maybe that uh, data point needs to be thrown away, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, Bob Backlund would be proud. Mr. Bob Backlund hopefully would would be proud. Uh, thank you to everyone who has sent, sent me high intensity interval training programs, including Chris Cooper, (laughs) who sent me like on Facebook, sent me uh, a wall of text, uh, much of which I didn't understand, but uh, yes. I, uh, ever tell you my Bob Backlund story? Oh, no, please. So, uh, it's at catering, uh, for a WWE event, but it was actually a Hall of Fame. So it wasn't like your typical, like, oh, live right. event catering. And I'm backstage and, uh, they had all this different types of cake. And at the time I wasn't vegan. And I'm like, oh my God, all this cake. I love sweets. So I got like four different pieces of cake. And I'm just like talking to my buddy. I'm like, this is great. All this delicious cake. Sitting at our table was one Bob Backlund just looking at me, shamed. <laughs> like, like, every time I took a piece of cake, he gave me a funny look. It's like, what are you doing to yourself? What was he eating? What was Bob Backlund eating? Um, it, it, was, it was grilled chicken and I think, like, green beans or something. <laughs> like, uh, if even, I remember. Even yeah, today. It, it was a very, very odd uh, table. It was myself, my friend Brian, Bob Backlund, and Finn Balor. It was a very odd table. <laughs> was there yes. conversation or was everybody just sort of keeping their head down in- Everybody was doing their own thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think Bob Backlund knows who Finn Balor is? I would think so. <laughs> you think think Bob Backlund's watching? He he was on TV not that long ago, right? He was with uh, Darren Young. Uh, I guess yeah. five, five years ago or so now. But yeah, I, I, like I feel like Bob Backlund surprisingly probably keeps up. Not with everything, but I don't think he's watching wrestling much these days. But who knows? <laughs> All right, but. All right, I guess we'll get right into the nitty gritty here, uh, and uh, we'll get right into uh, SmackDown, and we and we actually have a uh, fast affiliate rating. If you want to uh, break into that, I've been asked questions. This this came out Saturday morning because SmackDown, of course, happened on Friday. What is I call it an overnight? Maybe I should stop calling it an overnight. Uh, I've heard people call this the fast affiliate rating, the fast national rating. And why, why do we get this for SmackDown and not for other programs? Because the impact rating came out the day prior. I was being asked, why don't we get the, what about, what, what about the difference? And the fast affiliate, fast national rating is always lower, at least for SmackDown. 
uh, than it, than, than the final. I, uh, I don't really know. I, th- I think what's happening, and I could be wrong here. There might be more to this, but I think what's happening is they take some of these major markets or some of these, first of all, this is, this is just, I think this is just for broadcast networks. I don't think this is happening for cable. I've never seen any fast ratings for cable, although I've heard at times that, oh yeah, AEW got a prelim number that sounded really good. We'll see what the final is, but I've never seen any real data on that. So maybe, maybe that's something that's happening to people who have f- full blown Nielsen subscriptions, but I've never seen that. Um, but what we definitely see from spoiler TV.com and from rest in peace, uh, showbiz daily is we would see an early report of what the, the network programs had done. That is in the United States, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and the CW network. Don't forget the CW network. Uh, we would get fast nationals for those, which would be less precise numbers in 18 to 49. And it, and we would get a, a P2 plus and a couple other demos. Uh, and then those numbers will be different later when you got the finals, say in the afternoon. Uh, because SmackDown is happening on Friday, we get them on Saturday morning. We don't get the final, we don't get the final in the afternoon on Saturday. We get the final in the afternoon on Monday because people have to have the day off at, at Nielsen on the weekend, uh, I guess. Um, so what we got for the number on Friday, the first SmackDown, first WB event in front of Full capacity crowd since March 2020. Uh, it looks like 2.3 million will be the final, but the actual report is something like 2.2 if you round up. I think it's 2.185 the average came out to because spoiler, uh, gave us an 8 p.m. number and a 9 p.m. number. So in, in, in each of the two hours of, of SmackDown, I averaged it out and I said, well, the difference is usually between the overnight and the final is usually about 6%. So if we add 6% onto this, this average, the final will probably be about 2.3 million. Uh, what does that mean relative to what SmackDown has usually been doing? SmackDown has been f- going just under 2 million lately. Uh, sometimes just over 2 million. So this was about 20% higher than usual, which is about what I expected. Um, I put out a poll on WrestleNomics, the WrestleNomics Twitter, and, uh, when you construct a poll, especially if it's only going to have four options on it, you're sort of leading people to, to, to think what the, the, the correct answer might be somewhere in the middle. But the, the, the plurality, not the majority, but like 40% of the respondents of the cynical WrestleNomics Twitter followers said that they thought that the rating would be under 2.2 million, the final. Um, I sort of thought that might be four. Well, it'll probably be when, when, when Raw reaches into the nostalgia well, that usually means a 20 to 25% bump versus my favorite comparison, the median of the last four. So I figured yeah, about 20% bump is what they'll get here for SmackDown. And that's that's about what they got. So uh, I would call this within expectations. I'm not blown away, but this is within expectations. We'll get more details on Monday afternoon about what what really they did in 1849. It looks like they blew everybody away, at least on other broadcast networks uh, in 1849. The, uh, the, the overnight measurement was 0.6. Uh, the next closest was, was a bunch of other programs tied at 0.3. Uh, that said, what, what were they going against? They were going against reruns of Shark Tank, which is usually, uh, what beats them, uh, and, and American Ninja Warrior and 2020. So not very strong competition, at least on broadcast. There's no NBA final game here happening. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anything big on cable on Friday night, but I'm nothing that I'm aware of. Not in the of. summer. But SmackDown did, did well. Um, the program 
Did you did you watch this um, show? Oh. I, I I saw like pictures of the crowd and everything like that, and I watched like clips on YouTube afterwards. Uh, as I had a uh, graduation party on Friday night, but uh, doing doing regular real things with your life <laughs> yeah. instead of watching wrestling. Do you usually watch SmackDown? Uh, sometimes th- th- it's usually to me it would be like a day after thing. You know, I uh, I did watch this show. Um, I expected John Cena to return. He did not. Um, but that's whatever. I guess I, thinking about this from a strategic point of view, maybe you think you've got a, a big card in itself to, to be the SmackDown, be the first event of any kind that has full capacity. So that's maybe a card in itself, and you got a good result from it anyway. And if you're going to have John Cena, maybe you should really advertise him anyway. Um, so there's that. A lot of discussion here about, and I don't know if you were able to gather this from from what you saw on YouTube, but a lot of discussion here on whether or not they actually, I mean, a lot of people did think that they they sweetened the crowd, they added in pops and boos and chants that were not actually happening in Houston at the Toyota Center. Um, Um, The Sami Zayn segment. That wasn't obvious to me. To me. Well, you you try to get a chant going. (laughs) Yeah. That wasn't supposed to get going. Anyway, I don't want to get into an analysis and a review of SmackDown. <laughs> yeah. But um, a lot of people who I trust believe that this was happening. It was not super obvious to me. Um, so we'll see what happens going forward, especially once once uh, the, the, the novelty is worn off about being finally back in front of fans when fans you know start, start uh, I think as Bix has said, having the, the goal to, to not watch wrestling correctly. Uh, attendance. This was a sellout in Houston. Uh I, I would imagine about 13,000 paid the WrestleTix number uh, for this show as I open the spreadsheet. Um, and by the way, I am not WrestleTix, as some, some conspiracy, conspiracy theories, theorists have suggested. Uh, I, I'm in, in, in contact with the person behind WrestleTix, uh, who is a, a, a very hardworking and, and smart person. Uh, but I, I, I wish I had the bandwidth. To, to do all this stuff, and I'm very relieved and uh, grateful that uh, he is doing this stuff. Uh, his last count was 14,000. Uh, Michael Cole on the broadcast said 13,496. He said that at least a couple times. Uh, Pat McAfee, I think, thinking he, he was repeating Michael Cole, said 14,496. Anyway, I think the, the, a good guess for the paid is 13,000 here. They, they sold it out, uh, you know. They probably could have sold a little bit more if they had larger capacity. So I think there's 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 nothing. Uh, we'll we'll talk about some other things later, but there's nothing to uh, to be concerned about here. Uh, you would think that the first show back after 17 months or whatever it's been would have pent up demand. Uh, we've seen a lot of other other live events in the live event world here in the U.S. have really strong demand, including UFC events. Uh, so this did well. Did well enough. Did pretty good from a ratings perspective. Did well from a live event perspective. Uh, wasn't an instant sellout, but it sold out. You made a point here on the show where you expect that nice uptick for the first couple of weeks. The the curiosity, like, oh, there's fans. I'm going to tune in and see how it is with fans. But then that would eventually uh, falter down. I wonder, you brought up Cena. I think that's probably the strategy if... John Cena is coming back is they know they're going to do well this past Friday. They'll probably do well this upcoming Friday following a pay-per-view. You you want questions on, well, Finn Balor's here. Who else is going to show up? Like, I think they'll do well with that. But then in that third, fourth, fifth week, I think that's where you get the announcement. Next week, John Cena is going to be 
addressing the crowd on uh, on SmackDown. Yeah. Um, I think there's reports, maybe it's from a Matt Men podcast, that Cena is basically scheduled to be there on next week, Friday, which is uh, what what day of the week is that? Just sort of clear for, for people listening, uh, if that was the 16th, uh, the 23rd, which is in, where is the 23rd? That is in show date. Let's see here. That is in Cleveland. Oh, yes, that's in Cleveland. Oh, the Wild uh, Music Festival. <laughs> The simulcast with the uh, the music festival in Miami, um, but anyway, uh, sort of as you said, we have Money in the Bank happening as we record this tonight. I expect multiple major returns. We had a Finn Balor return on, on SmackDown uh, on Friday, but I expect multiple major returns here on on Money in the Bank that gets people buzzing and and probably contributes to a, a good rating for Raw on Monday, um, as as the WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet demonstrates. Money in the Bank, uh, along with Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, is one of the pay-per-views that is really reliable in providing a a strong rating for Raw the next night in terms of giving Raw a bump. Uh, you may have heard people talk for years about the post-pay-per-view bump, and um, it varies about how real that is. Um, I think I think these these pay-per-views that have huge consequences in terms of who won the big match on that pay-per-view, that is, who won the Royal Rumble. What's what's the news coming out of the, the consequences and results from WrestleMania? And what's who's got the Money in the Bank briefcase? These are events that, for whatever reason, uh, encourage people to watch Raw the next night. Um, so you've got that factor besides the factor of people being back in attendance for the first time for Raw, besides the factor of whatever angles they can shoot here, which I think it would behoove them to shoot big angles, and they probably do have big returns planned here for tonight. Um I hear reports that you see reports, I think from maybe it's from Sean Ross Sapp about they're still debating about what, what, what finishes to do or whatever, which is not that surprising. Um, yeah, I would expect big angles, big returns, probably buzz on social media and a 20%, 25% increase for Raw versus the median of the last four. Uh, what would that mean though? Um, what would be a 20 to 25% versus the median? of the last four. I will try to figure that out now. Do uh, you have any thoughts on that, Cole, while I do that? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I, you know what? I, how, here's the thing. SmackDown throughout this whole thing, the creative has never, never been criticized on the level of Raw's creative, right? So I'm curious of how much of an uptick fans give that compared to SmackDown and the aspect of SmackDown, you had a kind of borderline. Okay, you know, there's some good stuff on there. Raw, and not for my opinion, just if you go on the internet, which, you know, Twitter doesn't count with Nick Khan, but if you go on Twitter, the Raw creative is a lot much more, uh, you know, uh, different, looked differently. Um, does this do a 20, 25% like uptick like, like SmackDown did? I don't know. So. Well, as I said, money in the bank. So this is the last. I'll get to a prediction about Raw in a second, but the money in the bank for the last, let's see, six years here versus the median of the last four ratings for Raw. Uh, last year, it, it meant a 5% increase. Year before that, 10%. Year before that, 12%, 19%, 7%, 8%. So we've got at a minimum 5% last year, which is the lowest of, of those six years that I just went over. So maybe you could say that, well, the, the trend is sort of uh, dying down, and I think that's 
if if that means anything at all, I think it means that well, people, you know, the consequences of of these pay per views. This would have been the one following the the Money in the Bank all over corporate headquarters. God, you remember that? That was a year ago now. Um, oh man! So that that yeah, an appearance by Bruce Pritchard's son. Really? Yeah, he was the janitor. <laughs> Uh, Chris Gull is going to take a bathroom break after our next segment. That's, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, everyone understands. Uh, so what, what, what's my, my, my spreadsheet is still loading. Um, but yeah, money in the bank will mean, probably will mean something regardless. And I, and I think there's angles here to do that will mean something. And there's novelty about a live crowd, uh, that will mean something. Um, that's in the, let's say an average. Let's uh, let's go. One point six is the average and round up here, especially because you got that low July number that may have been caused by the holiday weekend. So if I, let's say just one point six, and let's multiply that by one point two, and we get one point nine million. So I would say this: if they do over over two million, that, yeah, that probably exceeds my expectations. Um, two million. When's the last time WWE Raw did two million? I think it's uh, WrestleMania, post WrestleMania. Uh, as I scroll up here, because I think they, they have done, uh, two million, two or three times in 2021. And, uh, yeah, the last time, April 12th, following WrestleMania, when they did 2.026 million viewers. And, uh, they did, did it as well for the, Jul- the January 4th Legends Night, uh, featuring, featuring Hulk Hogan and friends. Uh, and I, and uh, I mean, I might have missed it, but do you have the Russell Ticks numbers for Money in the Bank and Raw upcoming here? Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you for keeping me on track here. Um, let's see here. So, so for Raw, Raw is in Dallas, right? Yes, Raw is in Dallas. Uh, last Russell Ticks count is seven thousand six hundred and seven. That is a ninety-two percent sellout relative to what they're. Their capacity is their capacity is only eight thousand three hundred. I, I imagine if they wanted to, if they had the demand, uh, they could configure capacity at, at American Airlines Arena to be higher than just eight thousand three hundred. Um, so, the first, you know, the first RAW, not exactly huge demand. This is this is good for a, a average RAW in other circumstances. Um, and we can talk about Money in the Bank as well. I would call Money in the Bank at this point sold out. Um, with capacity just under 10,000. Uh, Russell, Russell takes last count 9,884 on a capacity of 9,919. Uh, that's, that's rounding up to the nearest percent, 100%. So I would call that basically sold out. Uh, 35 tickets are technically yeah. still available. So we'll get a similar scene to what we had at SmackDown. It was, it was weird, but cool to see all those fans, uh, packed into an arena. And, and, and quickly, the reason why I quibble about that's close enough, um, is because you, what, what happens with, with live events, it's not as if there's always this fixed number of tickets that are on sale, uh, especially as the event comes closer to showtime. A, a lot of times the, the, the company will finalize their configuration. Now they know exactly what tickets they, they actually can put on sale and they, they may be holding some back just in case they needed it for the configuration, for the staging setup or whatever, for the mix, et cetera. Uh, and as, as showtime comes closer and they finalize what they need and what they don't need, they're able to put additional seats on sale that they hadn't been able to put on sale before. So what I'm saying is there, as showtime gets closer, a few more tickets end up being put on sale than were on sale before. Um, so I, 
that's why I say S is close enough. They may put a few more tickets on sale or there may be these 35 on sale in part because they put additional low numbers of tickets on sale. They hadn't put on sale before. All right. Uh, speaking of tickets, uh, we're going to lean into our next subject. AEW uh, tickets went on sale for the Arthur Ashe stadium show. And uh, what's the update on that, Brandon? It was this could be a real huge uh, attendance figure for AEW. Well, it will be the most attended <laughs> abandons his post. Um, this will be the most attended uh, AEW event in its history. So this is in Queens and technically in Flushing, New York. Uh, the Arthur Ashe event is September 22nd. Uh, that is dynamite taping. Uh, WrestleTix measures the capacity at this point at just over 17,000. 17,164 WrestleTix last count of tickets out. That is tickets distributed, not necessarily sold, but probably the vast majority of them are sold. Uh, tickets out 15,441. So this will exceed the previous record for AEW, uh, which is October 2nd, 2019, the first ever Dynamite that happened in Washington, D.C. It will exceed the first, the other most highly attended event uh, in Las Vegas in, in May 2019, the first ever AEW event, the first Double or Nothing. Uh, each of those did about 13,000, 13,000, 12,000, somewhere in that range. This will exceed either of those two events, um, and it is at 90% sold at this point. Uh, there was some pre-sale earlier in the week, but then general sale later in the week, um, this in the New York market, along with another event happening in the New York market, uh, which is a SmackDown event. Again, this event at Arthur Ashe Stadium happening, what was it, September, September 22nd, Chris Gullo now. Returning to his post here. He's back. <laughs> Just keep you updated. Uh, this event for Arthur Ashe Stadium again happening on the 22nd of September. The Madison Square Garden Smackdown happening 12 days prior, September 10th. Again, Arthur Ashe Stadium has 15,441 tickets out. Madison Square Garden has 7,944 out. So, uh, almost double. The number of tickets out. Um, uh, by the way, the, the capacity for MSG is about 9,000 at this point. Uh, Lord knows MSG holds a lot more than 9,000. Um, but that's what they've got set up. Um, I, I, I understand Joe Lance of the Voice of the Wrestling. Our, our podcasting network has, has gone on some rants about this, about how embarrassing it is that WWE cannot sell out Madison Square Garden. Uh, and, and AEW is so greatly outpacing them. Um, tickets for, Madison Square Garden are the most expensive um, of the tickets that we've seen on sale for wrestling live events, uh, for the returns of wrestling live events. Um, the other issue that people want to raise is that MSG has a vaccination uh, requirement. But to counter that, people have raised that, well, there's been other events at, at MSG already that have sold out and done very well. Um, maybe it should mean something, too, that WWE is going back to Madison Square Garden. This has history. This is a big deal for them. This is their symbolic mecca of sports entertainment, Madison Square Garden. This should be a big deal. And they don't hardly ever do TV at Madison Square Garden because it is so expensive uh, to do TV because of the union uh, that I think that you have to hire when you when you run yeah. TV at Madison Square Garden. But uh, I, I think it uh, speaks to what company is is on the upswing right now and what company is on the downswing. And I, and I think uh, 
all companies, but definitely WWE are on the downswing, except for uh, probably AEW, Stardom, maybe a few others. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Any thoughts? How was your trip to the bathroom? <laughs> it, it, was it, it was good. I had some uh, vegan pancakes this morning, so maybe ate too many. <laughs> Keep it in professionally, Russell Alex. Um, but, uh, all right. So with AEW, I actually do want to segue into, uh, the, uh, dynamite rating this week. A really good dynamite rating, uh, this week as they were, uh, this was the one from Cedar Park, correct? Am I getting that or am I getting that mixed up? This was in yeah. Cedar Park, okay. Texas, just outside Austin. Uh, attendance for this one. This is, this is a sold out event. Uh, Miami did not quite sell out uh, last week, but this one on the 14th, right? Fighter Fest, Cedar Park, Texas, 4,680 is what WrestleTix had for tickets out. Um, WrestleTix has a note here in this spreadsheet that we're sharing, uh, 4,400. I don't know if that's from the Observer. Uh, 4,400 paid. Um, so there's that. Um, so, so again, just to keep uh, the context in mind, we're talking about events here for AEW that are sort of half of the capacity of WWE events, but in some cases, AEW is selling their inventory uh, a bit more rapidly than, than WWE is, uh, but WWE is doing more events and doing them at, uh, at, at venues that are, are at higher capacity. The rating for AEW Dynamite, over 1 million viewers. We have it here, 1.025 total viewers of the age two or above. Um, 518,000 of those viewers in the category that matters, people age 18 to 49, people who are susceptible to advertisements. Um, so this was the first AEW to do, AEW Dynamite to do a million viewers, uh, probably, I don't have it on me, but probably since, uh, since May, um, as I look this up. The Mike Tyson show was the last one over a million. I think that was the first one or, or, or was Shaq like I can't remember if it was Shaq came before Tyson we have 1.2 million on April 14th um, and that would be the first one over a million really well well not the first one they're, they're very first early episodes the debut on Dynamite definitely did a million I think the week after that as well all right April 14th did 1.219 million April 21st I'm missing a date. No, not April 21st did 1.1 million. Uh, April, uh, May 5th did 1.090 million. So we had, uh, there was a week in between there where they did just under 900,000. So we had, let's see here, one, two, three, four weeks where three out of the four weeks they did a million and then they did under a million again and then they did under 900,000 again and then they were preempted for four consecutive weeks. And we had the two weeks here where they were back in their normal time slot doing well under a million and now here doing a million again. And notably, uh, this was Wednesday against NBA, uh, final game, game four between the Suns and the Bucks. Is that yeah. correct? Yes. No. Yes. 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 NBA game five, game four with 10 million viewers, 10.3 million viewers on ABC. So that's a pretty big, big number. And I think that's bigger than, than the games for the NBA finals before that up to this up to this point in the series. Um, so this is a, a far better number than they did the, the week prior where they were not against that competition. Um, and the week before that, they were against an NBA conference final where they did a better number. 
so it, it's funny. They, so what I'm saying is they did a NBA, they were against an NBA playoff game. They did a better number than I expected. Then they were, weren't against an NBA playoff game. I think they were against an, an NHL Stanley Cup final game. And they did a little bit worse. And now here they are against an NBA final game, even stronger competition than either of the prior two weeks and doing their best rating. So I, I don't know. And this wasn't as if it was the first show back on the road. That was Miami. That was the week prior. If that meant anything for AEW Dynamite, do you think it would, it would have meant the most in, in that Miami week, which was last week, July 7th? But this week, July 14th, uh, they're in a different state, but I don't, I don't think that means much of anything to anybody. A million viewers and, and over 500,000, over half a million in 1849. Uh, that is, what does that come out to as a demo rating? If you, if you are of the demo rating persuasion, that is a 0. 0.40 raw, mind you, this same week, a 0.43 in the demo. That is, that is the, uh, the big issue. Uh, the week before that, raw did a 0. 0.41 in the demo. So we're getting closer to that, that point where, AEW is getting closer and closer to equaling Raw in certain younger demos. AEW did beat Raw this week with Men 1849. Not with Men 1834, but with Men 1849. So that means they really beat them in Men 35 to 49. So you are, if you don't mind me asking, Priscilla, you are you in the M18 to 34 demos? I- I am in that 18 to 34 demo. I will be 34 in September. So I got another little over a year in that demo. I myself, unfortunately, am now in the M35 to 49. Um, sorry to say. We're, uh, Dynamite this week, 259,000 viewers, 259,000 watched Dynamite across the, the entire course of the program on average versus Ross, 233,000. So raw, uh, you know, you think about who are the the average wrestling fans. Of course, you're a wrestling company. You should want to appeal to the widest possible audience and appeal to people who have not been appealed to in the past. But in the past, the core audience of wrestling viewers have been have been male viewers. Um, I don't know if they're usually younger or older at this at this point, but uh, but yeah, that that is that is the majority of the audience is uh, is male viewers. So that's dynamite. Okay. And then, well, real quick on Dynamite, I know you have this great chart here that you put up with the the quarter hour viewership. Anything else you want to kind of touch on? Well, that's on right. that of what were the kind of the highlights of that? That's right. I had the quarter hours. All, all these ratings, by the way, I think all of them this week were broken by Russellomics, uh, including this uh, quarter hour viewership chart. Um, interesting too that the NBA final game which started at 9 p.m. I should I should have noted earlier it was not an 8 p.m. start so it was not the entire dynamite going head to head which is the same as as, the, as was the case for the conference final that they were against I think 2 weeks ago it's a 9 yeah, p.m. West, start. west coast teams you got the suns yeah. and the bucks here yeah bucks bucks would be like central time zone but anyway but this was in uh, phoenix so i believe game 4 was okay. in phoenix if i'm, I'm like 98% sure <laughs> yeah so, so the second hour of Dynamite was against the harder competition. Um, there, there was like pregame stuff, and I know they do like the Jimmy Kimmel thing at eight and a, and a pre, and a sort of a countdown at eight thirty, I think. But anyway, the second uh, hour uh, contains some of the most highly viewed quarters. In fact, the most highly viewed quarter overall among total viewers was what we what we call Q six. That is from nine fifteen to nine thirty, one point one three three million viewers over the course of those fifteen minutes. That was the 15-minute uh, segment of time that included the Britt Baker live promo uh, with uh, Nyla Rose 
and Vicky Guerrero watching the back. Uh, a really short John Moxley promo, uh, a relatively short Sammy Guevara versus Wheeler Yuta match, and a and a pretty short QT Marshall promo. So that was the most viewed uh, 15 minutes. This is a show that um, it started off with a 942,000 viewers overall uh, in the first quarter, which was John Moxley versus Carl Anderson, then dipped a bit for the second quarter, which which is a lot of promo, which is a an Archer promo, an Andrade promo, uh, the, the first two-thirds or so of the Brian Cage and, and Ricky Starks match uh, down to 861,000 viewers. And then it grew and really uh, stabilized over uh, the, the top of the hour going into 9 o'clock, which is not what you would expect. You'd expect, okay, the NBA game is starting. We're going to take a hit at 9 o'clock. And that is not what happened. Uh, it, it, it held up. In Q7, it did drop for the Penelope Ford, not Penelope Cruz, as, as some... Uh, ignorant person originally put in his chart uh penelope ford versus uh, yuka sakazaki uh it did go down f- at that for for that q7 still over a million viewers total just barely over a million and then it stayed basically flat for the main event involving darby allen and ethan page for the coffin match uh so the, the peak was the the brit baker sammy Guevara, wheeler yuda quarter hour in total viewers but in 1849 viewers the peak was with 586,000 viewers that was uh, the quarter that included the Adam Page and Kenny Omega angle where they made their, uh, the big multi-man tag match that's going to happen. I uh, had a, a short Chris Jericho promo angle with MJF and the entrances for the Matt Hardy and Christian, uh, match that was to begin in the following quarter. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to Monday Night Raw. And we already kind of alluded to this, uh, a little bit earlier when we were talking about SmackDown, but, uh, the Raw rating, uh, from, uh, last week, the last Raw, uh, w- without fans, uh, doing, uh, 1.6 million. If you want to, uh, br- break that down and predict truly what they'll, what they'll, what do you think they'll get, uh, tomorrow? Well, yeah, tomorrow night as we're recording this. Yeah, like, yeah, I think I just kind of said it uh, earlier. I think 1.9 million would be a, a good over under. Uh, if they do 2 million, I, I would be impressed. Uh, and if they do way over 2 million, I'd be very impressed. Um, I think it's going to largely depend on, on the power of the angle that happens tonight. By the time people are listening to this, I'm sure they know what it is. Whether it's whatever, Brock Lesnar coming back or Goldberg coming back or Becky Lynch coming back. Who knows? John Cena coming back. Who knows? Um, so that's that's why I expect Th- this uh, this number on Monday did better than the all time low of the previous week. The all time low of the previous week one point one point four seven two million viewers. Again, to put that in some context, what what AEW did in the same week, uh, actually not in the same week, but in, in the following week, uh, just over one million. So so the all time low for Raw, a really good number for Dynamite, is about five hundred thousand apart at this point. Uh, that's a total viewers. Remember, a huge factor in that is people over the age of 50. But anyway, uh, this one for Raw, though, did just about even 1.6 million viewers. So better than, than what they did in the all time low. But, uh, you know, this is, this is sort of in line with what they've been doing lately. Um, pretty normal number for the last four weeks. Um, people have asked lately. I've seen people discussing. Is Raw, yes, Raw is at an all time low, but is Raw really declining at a, at a rate that is worse than comparable shows, worse than the decline of TV overall. And I know we talk about this with some regularity, but I think it's worth revisiting and going into some detail to show the answer is yes. Raw is is doing worse than other sports programs. Raw is 
over the last couple years has been doing worse than TV in general. How do we know that? Well, I did some charts, I did some, some studying this week, and I looked at, let's take an arbitrary year, few years in the past, 2016, and let's take your average total viewership, and let's compare that to how you did over the course of 2020, and I compared Raw, or as Nielsen lists it, WWE Entertainment, and I compared, uh, what's, what's the change in viewership from 2016 to 2020? And, and the answer that you get, if I, I compare this to a number of other live sports telecasts. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, in the ways that they are categorized by Nielsen. So we have things like the NFL regular season, which means Monday Night Football. And these are just cable programs that I have easy access to the data to. I didn't, I didn't not try to dive into broadcast here. But so this is just cable programs. But we have uh, Monday Night Football, which which is down in that comparison by 8%. Raw is down in that comparison by 41%. Uh, the NFL draft is slightly up by 30%. And it's not just slightly. The NFL draft over that time is up 30%. Uh, the NBA playoffs, uh, conference finals on TNT 
is worse than Raw, down 55%. Again, Raw, down 41% in this comparison. Conference finals on TNT, down 55%, 2016 to 2020. Conference finals on ESPN, though, down 33%. Conference semifinals on ESPN, down 22%. Uh, and we can go on and on. If you, if you saw this chart uh, on my Twitter, or, or if you haven't, you can go to my Twitter at Brandon Thurston and, and find it. Um, but a lot of different sports telecasts that have held up over these four years better than Raw has. So yes, streaming is the future. But um, but TV ratings uh, 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 still matter, and TV ratings for other programs have, have, have declined, but not quite, quite as bad in most cases than Raw has. I did this for 2022 as well. Uh, again, you can find that on the Twitter. Um, now obviously, we're only halfway through 2021, so we haven't had Monday Night Football yet in 2021. But uh, a huge drop for the conference finals on TNT down to 52%. I'm guessing, I haven't looked, actually, I'm meaning to look, but I'm guessing this is being compared to like a Le- LeBron James uh, conference file or something, which is explained the, the huge drop of 51% for the conference finals on TNT. Um, but you know, other things like on ESPN, down just 1%. Uh, for the, for the conference finals on ESPN. NBA playoffs conference semis on ESPN up 7%. Uh, round two on TNT down 9%. NBA draft lottery down 20%. College football bowl game on ESPN down 10%. Playoffs round one on TNT for the NBA down 1%. Uh, there's quite a few others, but, uh, none others quite so bad as the down 42% for W. WE Entertainment on USA Network, which is raw. Um, now that's just sports. Those are other sports programs. Let's say you don't want to compare raw to sports programs because wrestling isn't real sports and you shouldn't compare raw to other sports because sports are just more popular and they're going to hold up better. And you know what? Let's make a stronger argument. People are more likely to watch WE stuff on DVR than they are to watch actual shoot sports on DVR. So let's just talk about other other programming in general. And let's exclude cable news because cable news in, in, in the era of Trump did amazingly well. Okay, so let's talk about non-cable news programs, the top 50 from Showbuzz Daily from uh, 2017 to 2020. And actually in 17 and 18, Raw did hold up better than the top 50 non-news cable programs. Uh, but in 2019 and 2020, uh, Raw declined more sharply. Raw was down year over year in 2019, 14%. Top 50 non-news cable, only down half as bad, 7%. Uh, that's pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic, when they still had live crowds. 2020, Raw was down 22% compared to non-news cable down 15%. All right. Uh, moving on uh, to the NXT rating, which was up. Wait, I have more. Oh, I have oh. more to oh. put on the table about here. Why, why has this happened? Um, a few years ago, in 2016, actually, I, I did an article for Seeking Alpha. Have you, do you know what Seeking Alpha is, Chris Cole? Uh, I, do, I, I do not know. So Seeking Alpha is, is this website where you can, um, it, it covers stocks. Okay. And uh, you can submit articles. And if your article is reviewed by somebody and and and, and they think it's publishable, they'll pay you like 40 bucks for it. And then, then for every, every click it gets, you get like a fraction of a cent. So I've done a few, I had done a few articles for Seeking Alpha around that time. Um, and, and Chris Harrington was doing a few of them as well. 
And I wrote an article called in 2016 called something to the effect of WTV ratings no longer reflect popularity. Uh, because there was, you know, I'm, I'm sure at the time there was consternation about the declining TV ratings for Raw and probably for SmackDown at the time. Um, although, although SmackDown was about to be helped by uh, having the move to Tuesday to live to exclusive roster. But, um, but I demonstrated how, yes, TV ratings are down, but let's look at a number of other factors here, including Google Web Search, which is on the rise. Uh, and let's look, look at the other, me- other metrics that are related to consumer behavior, like ticket sales and merchandise sales. And those are stable. Those are doing okay. And that was 2016. And that was, that was true. I would like to think that that was a reasonable thing to write in 2016. So I sort of looked back on, back on that, uh, this week and, uh, pulled out the Google web search and, and sort of, you know, let's, let's follow up on this and, and pull the data across to the present. And what we see is Google web search, uh, sort of peaking there in 2016 and then falling and really correlating to TV ratings after that. Again, these are, these are charts that I put on Twitter over the last week. Um, and I decided to look to, and you know, sort of in the way that we're talking about, uh, raw compared to other sports to look at other sports leagues and their web search, uh, over time from 2015 to 2020. And what you see is WB, uh, going up from 15 to 16, but then really declining, uh, each year after that, uh, in a way that doesn't reflect any other sports league that I, that I grabbed data for anyway. Uh, what you do see is Indian premier league, is the new big sport globally? You know what sport Indian Premier League is, Priscilla? Um, I'm gonna take a wild guess and say cricket. Cricket, cricket is the most the cricket league. India Premier League is. Uh, I mean, I don't. I didn't try to scrape for every single sports league that I could think of, but I. But but most. But but ones the sports leagues that come to mind first. That's what I scraped for. And India Premier League in 2020, more searches. Then the Premier League, soccer, mm-hmm. the soccer league, more searches than NBA. Wow. This is, this is worldwide now. More searches than NFL, which is, of course, enormously popular in the U.S., but not so much globally. Um, so yeah. And then there's this, this chasm and, and then everybody else falls a, a, a ways below those four. Again, that's Premier League, uh, in India for cricket, Premier League soccer, NBA, NFL. And then there's La Liga. Are you a soccer fan? Gola, do you know anything about soccer? A, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Do you know what La Liga is? Because I don't. Um, La Liga is... I'm just wondering if that's the Spanish League or the... Let me just double check here. Because um, Sierra A is the Italian League, so La Liga is Spanish League, yep. So at the beginning of this timeline, 2015, WWE is the most searched for sports league of those I just mentioned, except it's more searched for than Indian Premier League at, at this point in 2015. It's the only leagues that are more searched for is the NBA and the NFL. They're more searched for than the soccer Premier League, if that's the right way to say it. But then in 2016 and, and after 2016, it, it starts to decline. Anyway, so you've got what, what is now ahead of WWE is La Liga, Formula One Racing, the UFC, Dana. Vince, Dana is kicking your ass. Uh, WWE was more searched for than Major League Baseball on a worldwide basis. Now they're about even. Um, NHL is, is below WWE. Uh, NASCAR always has been below WWE over this timeline. Those are both still very regional, even though they're nationwide. They're still regional in the aspect right. Maybe of Maybe my, my, 
my bias as a, as a person living in the U.S., I'm, I'm thinking of leagues that first come to mind for me. Yeah. And these are the ones that I, that I chose. Um, so. I guess moral of the stories. Yes. Yes. I, I've showing the data here that it, it doesn't seem very debatable to me that WWE has declined in popularity, uh, over, over the last four, five years. Um, I'm sure they're, they're amazingly popular on YouTube and on, on, on forms of social and digital media, which I think in many ways, wrestling is predisposed to be popular on those media platforms. But uh, the trajectory is, in a number of ways, pointing downwards. You've got declining ticket sales before the pandemic. You've got declining merchandise sales before the pandemic. You've got declining product licensing revenues before the pandemic. Not just related to the pandemic. Anyway. All right. Uh, so now, moving on. Now you want to talk about NXT. Yeah, I want to talk about NXT. Fine. Uh, an, an uptick this week. For NXT, uh, in the rating, uh, uh, doing, uh, a little over 700,000, uh, a, uh, 1840, uh, 18 to 49 of, uh, 245,000. If you compare that, uh, a little bit up from the week before with, uh, 650,000 and 232,000 and 18 to 49. So, uh, NXT, you know, maybe, I mean, this is a little bit different than Raw and SmackDown because there's not the anticipation of, oh, fans are going to be next week. Maybe I should tune in. They already have their small group of fans that they have at the Capitol uh, Wrestling Center. And uh, it was interesting to see that uptick this week for NXT. This week did better than last week. What did last week do? La- last week did uh, 650000 overall with 232000 in the 18 to 49. And that was the Great American Bash episode. But this week... Last, last week, excuse me, last week was it, was against, uh, or was the Great American Bash, as you just, you just said. Yes. Big pay-per-view like episode of TV for NXT, but this week does better despite not being the Great American Bash and despite going against the Major League Baseball All-Star game on Fox that had over 8 million viewers. It's tougher competition. Uh, weaker lineup, better rating. Yeah, I mean, you did have Gargano and Cross with Joe as the special guest referee, which, you know, um, a pretty big match, you know, but they, they man evented the Great American Bash with O'Reilly and Cole. So, but uh, does this tell us who's a draw and who's not? Is this uh, meaningful? <laughs> nah, nah, I, I wouldn't think so, but uh, I would say the All Star game thing, uh, I think that is impressive, but being a baseball fan, I can tell you, I'm a baseball fan. I buy the uh, package every year to watch Phillies games because uh, they don't air them locally. Um, I watch as much baseball as possible. Uh, when the Blue Jays first came here in Buffalo, I was there first night, and I can tell you that I have not watched an All Star game in over a decade because it's There's just... actual stakes now, right? Like the winner of the All Star game gets the home home field advantage or something. In the, in the they final? did that to make it more competitive, World and it's, it, it hasn't changed. Okay. okay. NXT, by the way. Will be moved to Sci-Fi during the Olympics. Uh, during is this the first time they're on Sci-Fi since the NXT competition series? Yeah, I mean there have been reruns on Sci-Fi, but yeah, yeah, it will be. Um, somebody should look up what the viewership was. It's probably higher than it is now, but that's the nature <laughs> of TV. I don't, I don't, I don't mean to be truly comparative there. Um, but so, so not this coming Tuesday, but the Tuesday after that. July 27th, and then on August 3rd, NXT will be not on the USA Network. It will be on Sci-Fi. Um, the USA Network apparently is going to be carrying some Olympics coverage. Uh, of course, 
the Olympics, uh, the, the U.S. rights, U.S. broadcast rights to the Olympics in the U.S. are held by NBC Universal, the parent company of the U.S. network and of sci-fi. So NXT getting bumped to sci-fi. Um, NXT has been preempted, uh, for, I think, sort of in the, in the, in the summer of 2020. There were, was NHL games, I think, NHL playoff games that were happening in that summer where both AEW and NXT were being preempted around to different slots, but it was still on the USA network when NXT was getting preempted. There's that one week where, where they did move to a Tuesday, I believe, and they were going head to head with Impact and just buried Impact's viewership number that week. That is, I believe, the all-time low for impact, other than this program program guide error that we had a couple weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I think what we're going to see here is a number that's flirting or maybe being the lowest NXT viewership ever. Um, these are going to be taped episodes as well, so theoretically we're going to have spoilers out there, if that matters. Um, I struggle to think of a time where there's been strong evidence that spoilers have ever mattered. I think you've argued otherwise here on this program, Chris Gallo. Um yeah, I don't think they make a gigantic difference, but I, I, I feel it, not so much spoilers, but I made the argument that the dynamites that you knew were live and not taped, and there was no spoilers out there, uh, but the ones that you knew were live or not taped just perform better. So sci-fi, I don't, I don't have a great idea of what they're going to do here, but I imagine probably looking at, I mean, if, if, um, if dynamite on granite on Saturday, not on its usual Wednesday, uh, at 8 p.m., I don't want to compare it to the Friday at 10, did what, what something like five in the 500,000 range, uh, compared to when it usually does 800 or even 900,000 or a million. Um, that's about cutting the viewership in half or a little bit more than half. Uh, NXT doing in the 600s most week, most weeks. We're looking at maybe something under 400,000, which would definitely be an all time low. I believe the all time low is somewhere in the 500,000s for NXT. So these will probably be sort of asterisks, all-time lows for for NXT. Pre- All right, um, want to move on to some uh, interesting news this week uh, with WWE canceling uh, a couple sh- shows. Uh, first off, canceling uh, a show in uh, Gainesville, um, and you actually kind of you have an update uh, from our friends at WrestleTix as far as what tickets were sold so far in that Gainesville show. Yeah, so, so the, uh, the Gainesville show was just canceled a couple days ago. The capacity, this was going to happen, this was going to be a super show, i.e. house show, on August 8th. Uh, the last update that we have on the 12th, which was Monday, uh, capacity 3,500, tickets out, uh, 2,000. Is this right? Yes. 2,233. It now strikes me that I may have tweeted the incorrect number. I may have tweeted the um, available rather than the uh, tickets out. 2,233 tickets out. That is 64% sold. Um, that's, I mean, this is Gainesville, so probably a smaller market and consider they've, uh, they're, they're having shows in Florida uh, in addition to this, right? They're doing Tampa a couple days earlier for SmackDown. They're doing uh, Estero, Florida, which is where is Estero? It's near some larger, uh, larger city. I know they're doing uh, that, Jacksonville as well. Right? Dynamite is doing Jacksonville four days earlier uh, for da- Daly's place. Uh, there's Raw in Orlando the day after, uh, so they're all over Florida around this time. Um, canceling this event. Uh, there's an Atlanta show. While you look that up, there's an Atlanta show that was also canceled for a SmackDown that was going to happen. Uh, this was going to be a September seventh. 
13th SmackDown. Uh, there was a pre-sale about an hour before the general sale was going to go out, go out. They canceled the show. So maybe that was due to demand. Maybe there, there wasn't a strong response to the pre-sale. So they decided to cancel before going through the trouble of actually putting tickets on sale. Uh, or maybe there's some other factor involved. I don't know, but, uh, no September 17th SmackDown. Atlanta. Real quick, just looking at the Estero, um, I mean, the market it's closest to is Fort Myers, but Fort Myers. It's very interesting. <laughs> it's like near a lot of like nature preserves and, and stuff. So, um, I find, I find that interesting, but what the Atlanta, why do you think the Atlanta event was canceled? I, uh, that one kind of threw me off. Like, Gainesville, like you said, a smaller market, and we already kind of questioned them doing house shows, and maybe they'll eventually go to that. Oh, maybe we shouldn't do these, and then now you got Atlanta, but for a SmackDown. This is a SmackDown. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's tempting to say, hey, nobody wanted the tickets. They did the pre-sale. There wasn't strong demand. They decided, decided to cancel it. Um, this is the first event in Georgia, too, that I, I believe that, that they've put on sale. Maybe there's some sort of issue with with the regulations in Georgia related to this. I don't know. Um, again, it's tempting to say that, you know, well, W is just a cold product and, and they didn't get strong demand, so they canceled it. But, but I don't have more information that, that makes me able to say that with greater confidence. All right. Uh, moving on, uh, to some, uh, uh, WWE Hulu, uh, news as the, uh, deal, uh, is come, is coming to an end here. Uh, terms coming up. Uh, question is, will they extend? And, uh, if not, are we going to get Raws and 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 uh, other programming quicker on Peacock after they appear? Are you a Hulu? Are you a Hulu subscriber? Yes, I I, I love uh, Hulu, <laughs> um, especially if for FX programming uh, that that I watch on there a lot. So that that comes up. Richard just finished American Horror Stories. Uh, they debuted this week, so. Yeah, so who owns the FX network now? Does Fox still own the FX? Um, I I don't know if it's Fox or Disney or like Disney acquired previous programming rights because that that's all interesting. Like because they they bought the rights to The Simpsons, but yes, Disney Simpsons still Netflix. appear on Fox. So. Disney, Disney, yeah, Disney yeah. does own it now. Um, <clears throat> Disney acquired. Uh, a lot of Fox properties, I believe, including 21st Century Fox. Um, the, the only thing I think that Fox owns now are is the, the broadcast network, uh, some the regional sports networks. I think they still own, and uh, of course, Fox they weren't News. allowed to sell the regional sports networks because of of you know, monopoly. Of course, they own Tubi, one of the fasts. Fast stands for free ad supported mm-hmm. television. I think all the fasts are things like Tubi and Roku Pluto, channel Roku. But anyway, as people may know, this, this pertains just to, to us customers. This doesn't pertain to people internationally, right? I think, I think Hulu is only a thing that's happening in the U S right. There's, there's not really distribution, at least widely outside of the U S that I know of. So what we have here in the U S is, is that raw in a condensed version actually will be on Hulu the next day. Same thing for SmackDown. NXT is on there too, but NXT is also on the network the next day. Uh, main events, of course, is on Hulu. Uh, the, and, um, but on the network now, which is on Peacock for US customers, you have to wait 30 days before you can watch the latest Raw or SmackDown. Um, so that's been the case for a number of years now, um, with Hulu. 
So I've, I've been told that those rights are up sometime, maybe in 2022, maybe as early as the end of this year. Uh, I understand last time that these rights were negotiated was 2018. Um, I've been told that W management views this now compared to 2018 as a different world for the possibility of negotiating favorable rights, uh, favorable rights deals for, for this, these next day rights to run SmackDown and other content here. Um, will it stay on Hulu? Maybe. Uh, it makes a lot of sense though for this yeah. to go to Peacock and for Peacock to be able to tell W fans, Hey, this is not just your home for all the W network content, the pay-per-views, all of the back catalog, which by the way is supposed to be on the network in its entirety again by SummerSlam. People were promised, uh, in the press release. Um, but that you can now get all of that plus the very next day, if you missed Raw or SmackDown, you can watch it right here on Peacock. Um, that makes a lot of sense for Raw, at least. Does that make sense for, for SmackDown, the Fox property? Or does, or maybe would Fox want to somehow put that on Tubi? I don't know that there's any precedent or something comparable, uh, where Fox has got something the next day on Tubi. Um, does anybody actually use Tubi? <laughs> Tubi to me is a, if you want to find something, you know, from the nineties or early two thousands, it's kind of obscure. You'll find it like when, uh, this past Christmas, when I wanted to watch Santa with muscles, Tubi had it. Of course. Uh, who doesn't want <laughs> yeah. to watch Santa with muscles at, at the holiday Tubi season? Tubi had it. Uh, when I, uh, just yesterday was like, you know what? Hercules Legendary Journeys. I like that show in the nineties. Who's, who's the star of Santa with muscles? Is that like a, Goldberg thing. That's no, that that's Hogan. Yes, Hogan. Big Hulk By the Hogan way, one fan. of the worst Christmas movies of all time. But uh, sometimes you, you got to laugh at Christmas time. But yeah, uh, but yeah, like the other day, I was like, oh, I want to watch Hercules: The Legendary Journeys. Boom, Tubi TV. They have just those obscure nineties, two thousands programs that you want to watch. So maybe, maybe um, you you start to sell live rights. And next day rights to the same property owner, maybe in the case of Peacock and or Tubi. But then it, it was, it's also been hyped to me that, well, maybe W would sell these rights to one of the fangs. Do you know what a fang is, Chris Gull? I do not. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tooth that, that well, some press. That's what I thought. But. No, it is, it is an acronym that stands for major tech okay. companies. Do you have any guesses? Uh, Do you have any guesses? Amazon, Apple. Yes. Yes. That's the two A's. There's two A's in fact. Okay. Oh, okay. There's now your le- there's an F, there's an N. And G a would G. be Google. Google. Yes, F would be Facebook. Facebook. Oh, and the N uh oof, the N is escaping me. You'll have to give me the N. Netflix. Netflix. Oh, that's right. Um so, uh, the most likely, if this is going to happen, I, I think this is less likely to, to be the case. Are there really fangs that are really interested in these kinds of rights or the live rights? We sort of heard Nick Khan hype this, saying that maybe, maybe Apple TV is thinking about getting there and thinking about bidding for live sports rights at some time in the future. Maybe he didn't say this, but maybe by the time that our U.S. rights are up for renegotiation, um, Apple is, or I'm sorry, Amazon is clearly interested in live sports. They've done a number of international sports rights deals. They've done a deal in the U.S. for Thursday night football. Um, would Amazon or Google's YouTube be interested in these rights? I would be slightly surprised, uh, but maybe. And I could see strategically 
from W's perspective, maybe taking a lower deal than you would get otherwise from other suitors for the sake of deepening a relationship with a business partner who may put pressure on your other business partners to bid more aggressively for your live rights in the years to come. Uh, but yeah, but are these fan companies really interested in, in any of this content and any of these particular rights? I, I, I don't, I don't see any reason to, to say that they are. I don't, but maybe they are. Yeah. It's day after stuff. I think if, you know, hey, the rights of Raw was going up and the rights or the rights of SmackDown, I could possibly see, hey, we're going to do a live stream on Prime and, and, you know, Prime Video and all that. But for a day after, I don't know if that would be a hot market for those fan companies. And I, I think it's it's early still, but maybe by 2023, 2024, it's a different story, 2025. Uh, I think it's early to, to think about at least WWE content going to a streaming player. I, I think I do want to dwell on this too. That um, you know, as I as I now tweet tweet the ratings uh, every week here, um, you know, I, I encounter a, a lot of debates from what did, what did I say on Twitter this this uh, early early, uh, early this morning. Uh, a lot of unacquainted man children who are getting hostile with each other about uh, TV data. Uh, you, you get a lot of people raising the issue, which makes sense. That um, well, TV's TV is a declining business. Linear TV is a dying business. And maybe it is, but it's still a very profitable business. Uh, it's certainly declining. It's the, maybe the profits, the stack of profits are maybe getting smaller, but it is still a very profitable business. Are all these streaming business, streaming is the future. Are all these streaming businesses profitable businesses? Some of them are. Netflix is. Um, is Peacock a profitable business? No. Uh, the, the game is to get consumer behavior if you're at, say, NBC Universal, to take your very profitable cable business, which is declining, people are using it less and less over time, and to take this consumer behavior and this watch time and try to transfer some of it over to streaming, which uh, is going to be more important in the future. Um, so does it make sense to, to put Raw or SmackDown, which has got to be on a high-reach platform? Uh, it's really important for WWE that they're able to be on a platform that has, that has a ton of reach that people are already using uh, I don't think it's a good idea for WWE to go beyond put Raw and SmackDown exclusively on Peacock right now. Maybe, maybe in five years, but not maybe in ten years. Maybe not even then, but not right now. Uh, and, and it's not enough that Amazon is in. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how many homes actually have Amazon Prime. It's a lot, right? There's uh, there's more people in the United States who have what is it uh, Amazon Prime than than own a pet in this country, something like that. Right. So it's a ton of homes. It's a majority of homes have Amazon Prime. Uh, but how many people are actually using Amazon Prime video? Not as many. How many people are actually, uh, something like 14 million people have user accounts for Peacock. Small percentage of those are actually using it on a monthly basis, let alone a weekly basis. But anyway, uh, that's why I would caution some of these hot takes about how TV doesn't matter and ratings don't matter. Um, this is still where the most profit is uh, in, in the the video video watching business, if you will. Um, but anyway, by the way, the, these rights that we're talking about here for Hulu, probably in the, in the single digits, maybe maybe the low double digits of millions of dollars a year, probably single digits though. Um, so this is compare that to 205 million, 265 million for raw for SmackDown and raw respectively. Uh, so this, this is small, small money compared to those huge, huge deals, which are W's, biggest deals um so yeah 
All right. Uh, moving on to Impact uh, and the rating of the Impact before their Slammiversary event, uh, 109,000 uh, total viewers with 26,000 uh, in the 18 to 49. Your, your thoughts on uh, on that? A little, little bit of a, a slight dip from last week. But you know, still, still better than like I said that snafu a couple weeks ago with the uh, the the listings. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just a comparison. Last week was one hundred twenty thousand with forty nine thousand eighteen to forty nine. So eighteen to forty nine took a pretty solid drop. This is not a good rating for Impact. Uh, Impact has been declining over the last several weeks. Uh, even let's throw out the the program guide error issue on what week was it? July first. Uh, under 110 million viewers here, just under, you know, it's 109 million viewers. A point zero two in the demo, uh, would be the lowest since I believe January. Uh, so that 1849, I've been saying for, for weeks now, yes, total viewership is declining, but 1849 is actually growing. Uh, but this is a, a really low 1849 number. One data point, one week, and we'll watch to see if it's any different next week, but uh, not a good number here for impact. Although uh, a lot of excitement coming out of the Slam Anniversary pay per view with Jay White showing up and switchblading people and promotions all over the place here on on the Impact uh, pay per view uh, last night as we recorded this on Saturday today Sunday. All right, yeah, and uh, you know they had a lot of surprises uh, at Slam Anniversary, and we'll see how that affects the uh, the TV ratings. And speaking of. Uh Surprise Ring of Honor, uh, tried themselves with some surprises at the best in the world pay per view. And, uh, we have an attendance figure for that. If you want to break down of that 502 tickets out, uh, on what, what was the date here for, uh, Ring of Honors? The uh, 11th, uh, Sunday, the 11th, the 11th, July 11th in Baltimore, Maryland. Capacity estimated by Russell ticks of 750, 526 tickets distributed. That would be a 70%. Uh, tickets out rate. Um, yeah, that, that, that's all I really had on, on Ring of Honor, though. I don't have any other, other deep takes there. All right. And, uh, we have some, uh, in, interesting news, uh, internationals, as you should say, that, uh, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau My said. My main man, Justin. Yep. Justin Trudeau said on Thursday, Canada could start allowing fully vaccinated Americans into Canada as of mid-August for non-essential travel and should be in a position to welcome fully vaccinated travelers from all countries by early September. And uh, as they are starting to lighten up, I believe they're in stage three now of their restrictions. I am seeing a lot of independent wrestling shows being announced in Canada now. Uh, as we are, as the fans, I'm not sure if they are aware, we are very close to Canada. Like, I live eight minutes from Fort Erie. <laughs> like... Yeah, so, I, I live very close to the Peace Bridge, which yeah. is the major bridge between Buffalo and Fort Erie, Ontario. Uh, in these last uh, in this last year and a half or so, I've been you know every time I drive on the 190, you you see the um, the dystopian flashing digiboards, essential travel only to Canada. <laughs> you know you can't go to Canada right now, and, and Canadians cannot come in here if, if, without uh, you know jumping through some hoops. Uh, this, this means something, at least to us, as far as, you know, oh, can we could start, to, can Americans start going over to Canada, uh, to work indie shows? Not that Canadians would ever go to the United States, uh, without, without proper papers, uh, to work in any capacity. But, but wrestlers do have, uh, the, the, the entertainer's law, uh, in Canada, and they're, they're very much allowed to go and do short-term work, uh, as wrestlers. 
So then maybe that'll be happening again soon. I, I, I sometimes I catch on the, on the local news after SmackDown, uh, Chuck Schumer out there, you know, yelling at Canada to, to open up their borders. So. But, um, what do you think this also means as far as trap, like shows up there and all that? I mean, I know they're still not in fully attendance as the Blue Jays are moving back there. I think there's like only a portion of the stadium they're going to actually allow in. But, uh, Canada is traditionally a very good market for WWE. So I wonder when we start yeah. seeing that again. Bizarro yeah. world. Are you, are you sure, are you sure Kevin Dunn wants to go back there? That people might not watch wrestling right. <laughs> they might chant things. Yeah. It, but yeah, uh, Toronto's a great market for WB. Uh, AEW has, has, am I right about this? AEW's never done a show outside of the US. Yeah, I, I, they haven't had Canada yet. Well, so, so hopefully, uh, hopefully COVID rates continue to go down. Hopefully the Delta variant does not, uh, ruin things. But, uh, hopefully we get, uh, events back in, back in Canada soon. And maybe, uh, we can go back to Canada soon and, and work some, some wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I, I miss my, my wrestling buddies in Canada. Uh, uh, but all right. Uh, any, any, uh, final thoughts this week here? No, I don't think so. I felt, feel like I talked a lot <laughs> today. Um, uh, this past week on Patreon, I've posted the ratings uh, in, in, in many cases, the, the first to report the ratings. Um, that's on patreon.com slash WrestleNomics for $5 a month. You get access to all my, all my locked posts. Um, the deep analysis breakdowns of, of uh, all the big wrestling TV shows. Uh, there's this report about the Hulu deal coming to an end soon. It was also there. Had some details as well that we discussed about there being two two weeks of NXT that are going to be preempted to sci-fi. Uh, you get access to the WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet as well. Uh, thanks to all our subscribers who already do uh, subscribe. We've got over over 150 this week. So growing growing every week, which we appreciate. Uh, if you like this podcast, feel free to give us a review on iTunes. Uh, you can follow WrestleNomics on the internet at WrestleNomics.com or on Twitter at WrestleNomics. You can uh, have arguments with with children uh, about TV ratings and, tell, and get hostile with them and yell at them if you would like uh, on my Twitter account at Brandon Thurston. I'm, I'm Brandon Thurston. Oh, wait. You, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm almost ending the show. My God. Plugs, Chris Cole. All right, I guess that's it, plugs. Uh, first off, myself, as always, Chris Gello on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you can keep up on all the stuff like uh, I'm uh, re-announcing MMA this upcoming Saturday in Lockport, New York, for Ground Force Fights. Uh, we talked about Empire State Wrestling July 31st at Buffalo Riverworks. Then I'll be traveling to Messina, New York, on Sunday, August 1st for New Breed Entertainment. Oh, can we talk about this? Uh, ESW's going to be having a show where again? Buffalo Riverworks. Oh, wait, okay, but you, the Riverworks is is in Buffalo. Like you're just saying, Buffalo because it's close is in the Buffalo region, or what's the actual municipality that this venue is in? Oh, this is in the city of Buffalo. Buffalo has has there? This is only going to be interesting to you and me, probably. But has there ever been an Empire State Wrestling show in Buffalo before? Yes, there has, and it. Uh, I think the last time you might have been under a luchador mask. <laughs> No idea what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> the Lucha Day explosion, and what was that? 2004 or five? Or September 2005. Five, okay. On Niagara Street, uh, across street from, yeah. across the street from Top Supermarkets, uh, <laughs> there was a, a show, a one-off uh, at the uh, God. I don't remember the name of the building, but yeah, it was super hot inside. Um, 
I, re- I wrestled twice. Yeah, that was a time in, in, in the last 16 years ago. You know, we have, um, <laughs> we have somebody, uh, who is about to start his training, uh, at Grapplers because he's going to turn 18. Um, <laughs> and it's, and I'm like, oh my God, he wasn't born on the day that I started training. That's <laughs> mind blowing, right? <laughs> Also, I just want to plug my other podcast, Rediscovering Indies. This coming Wednesday, we have a brand new episode about main event championship wrestling and John Collins. Lots of great stuff in there. This is a guy who uh, took money from a Canadian investor who was apparently running a Ponzi scheme, much of the like of Bernie Madoff. And uh, through, but he took this money and he. Uh, Ran a wrestling show at the ECW arena that, uh, was stack, stack full of names and then, uh, checks started bouncing. And, uh, when guys wanted their money, uh, when they knew he was going to be at a show next, uh, his wife, uh, called in and said, uh, oh, sorry, he had a heart attack. He, he's not going to be able to make it there. Um, which, I laugh because it's been proven that it's not true. Um, and yeah, this guy spent some time in jail and, and, and you'll appreciate this, Brandon, in, in the typical, uh, independent wrestling way, the federal government kept trying to contact this guy, like, Hey, give us the money back from this investor. Cause they already had this investor like convicted and everything. And the guy just ignored it, thinking it would go away. And it did not. No, no. Did, did the collections agency get a hold of him? <laughs> the FBI. Here's a great thing: the FBI showed up at an independent wrestling show in Evansville, Indiana. Really? So, what year is this? The 2001. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, I, I gave away a good trick of the episode there, but we go, we break down it all. There's lots of great stuff, not only from Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez that we go, but there's a lot of good stuff from. Uh, we actually have a Noel Holds Bard radio interview transcript with John Collins, like the day before the show that we break down. There's a, a, a live, uh, there was a testimonial from Bob McGee, who was actually at the, 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 the show. Uh, there is, uh, um, a brain, uh, Brian Damage article, uh, breaking it down that we go through. There's a lot, there's a lot of great stuff on this, but I think it's one of those. It's not told enough, but yeah, John Collins, main event championship wrestling. He wanted to be the next super promotion. He predicted he was going to be number one in 36 months of running that he was going to topple WWE. <laughs> Technically, he lasted one show. The, uh, the, the darker side of the ring. <laughs> yeah. And so no one's heard of John Collins since 2004. But if it's anything like our previous shows, I'm pretty sure uh, I'm going to have an email or a Twitter at from either John Collins or somebody associated with We're going to stir him up. He's going to start running again. This was gonna... <laughs> yes. Once again, I am sorry. We, I'm not going to take the blame for XBW being back. I think that's all for this week. You can follow me at Brandon Thurston. I'm Brandon Thurston. I'm Chris Gallo. Talk to you next time. Bye. These days, work is in trouble. 
we've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.